The scripture reading for this morning comes from the book of Luke, chapter 24, verses 36 to 48. While they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you frightened, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written, that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be wondering, why are we still reading about the resurrected Jesus, two Sundays after Easter. Well, the reality is, much like Christmas, Easter is a season, not uh, a specific day. The first day of the Easter season is Easter Sunday, much like Christmas is the 12 days of Christmas, and the first day is Christmas Day. Well, this is, you know, on April 1st, it was Easter Sunday. And then there are 50 days until Pentecost. And during that period of time, that's the season we know of as Easter. And so in these few Sundays, we are following the lectionary texts and, and we'll be talking a little bit about uh, the resurrected Jesus and some of the things that he was sharing with his disciples and therefore with us. Let us uh, turn to God in prayer. Dear Lord, as we encounter this text that, that uh, tells us about your appearing to the disciples in the upper room as they were hiding behind locked doors, and as you revealed yourself to them, we pray now, Lord, that you'll reveal yourself to us and give us your wisdom. Help us to understand what this, what this story has to do with us today. And so, Lord, we pray that you would open our hearts and our minds and our ears to what you have to say. Don't let the preacher's words get in the way, but may your spirit speak to ours. Speak to us, Lord. Your servants are listening. Amen. Well, as um, I was perhaps suggesting with the children, life is full of good news and bad news. So I thought I would begin by sharing some examples of the good news and bad news in the world. Uh, for instance, there's a story of a church secretary that said to the pastor, I've got some good news for you. Worship attendance is up dramatically the last three weeks. Bad news is you were on vacation. <laughs> a doctor said to a patient, I've got some good news and some bad news. 
Good news is there are beautiful golf courses in heaven. You know where I'm going. The bad news is that you have a tea time next Tuesday. That was meant for you, Tom. No, that, that wasn't meant for you, Tom. A husband told his wife, honey, I have good news and bad news. What is it? She asked. First, I think I'm losing my voice, he croaked. Okay, his wife replied. So what's the bad news? <laughs> On the other hand now, a wife said to her husband, honey, I have some good news and bad news about the car. Give me the good news first, her husband replied. Well, the airbags work. <laughs> Don't worry. There's good news for the world. Jesus is coming back. Bad news is he's really mad. <laughs> and finally, let me start with the bad news. You cannot make people like, love, understand, validate, accept, or even be nice to you. You can't control other people. The good news is it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Well, needless to say, when Jesus appeared to the disciples that day in the upper room while they were hiding away, they, they really didn't know what was coming. They, they, at that point, they, they had heard the women say that he had risen, but they weren't so sure about that. They thought it was an idle tale. And... Uh, they they were they were afraid of the authorities and what might happen to them and so they had locked the doors there was a lot of good news and bad news to be experienced by them and Jesus was bringing it first of all the good news that he brought by his very appearance was that he was alive it was good news and in fact the very first thing he says to them the very first words out of his mouth we find in verse 36, peace be with you. He was bringing good news to the disciples. The bad news was that he appeared to be a ghost. In verse 37, it says that they were startled and terrified. They, they didn't know who this person was. They, they really didn't think it was Jesus. They, they thought it was a ghost. So Jesus offered a second bit of good news. He showed them his hands and his feet. We see that in verse 39. And he even asked for something to eat to say, you know, I'm really here and I'm hungry. Have you got, have you got anything to eat? Verse 41. What he was saying by what he was showing them and by what he was saying is that the resurrection was real. What the women had said was, was right on. Jesus is alive. But he doesn't end with just the good news. He has a little bit of bad news for them, or at least that's how they would undoubtedly experience it. He says, you know, in, in a way he says, you should have known this, but you also should have known what was going to lead up to this. The, you know, the pain and the suffering and the crucifixion and the death and the dying and the burial in the tomb. You, you should have known all that because you see, I've been telling you about that all along and in fact, he says in, in our scripture lesson that he was a fulfillment of the law of Moses and the prophets in the words of the psalmist. In other words, this was something they should have known. For us to kind of get a, an, an understanding of what, what he was saying, I'd, I'd like to quote from Moses and from 
the prophets and from the Psalms. In the book of Genesis, the 12th chapter, Moses says, Go select lambs for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop. Dip it in the blood that is in the basin and touch the lentil and the door, two doorposts with the blood of the, in the basin. None of you shall go outside the door of your house until morning, for the Lord will pass through to strike down the Egyptians. When he sees the blood on the lentil and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over that door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you down. Undoubtedly for certainly John who writes about the experience, but even for the others, they must have heard the story of how the soldiers had dipped the sponge into the cheap wine that they were drinking at the foot of the cross, and how they put it on a hyssop branch and reached up and put it to the lips of Jesus. Um, Jesus was fulfilling what Moses had talked about in Egypt in bondage, and how the Paschal lamb was to be slaughtered to save the people. Well, in the same way, God's lamb was to be slaughtered in order to save the people. These, these were foretellings, if you will. Um, Jesus is saying, don't you see? I, I've been trying to tell you all along what Moses was talking about and what the prophets were talking about. I'm a fulfillment of that. Looking at the 53rd chapter of the book of Isaiah, the prophet writes, he was despised and rejected by others. He was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole, and by his bruises we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have all turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before it shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. They made his grave with the wicked and his tomb with the rich, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Jesus saying, didn't you hear what the prophets were saying? Didn't you hear what Isaiah was talking about? He was talking about me. And I, yeah, I, I, I've come to bring good news. I've come to bring peace. But I want you to know that, that this journey to this peace had a, a more difficult message to go along with it. And from the psalmist, we read in Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? They divide my clothes among themselves, and for my clothing they cast lots. The very words that Jesus spoke from the cross as he gave up his life. You see, the good news is that he was risen. He's showing his hands and his, and his feet, and he's saying, I'm alive. I'm right here among you. The bad news is, well, there are holes in my hand. I had to suffer. And isn't that the gospel in a nutshell? That's the gospel they had witnessed, though they may not have understood it. The disciples that were hiding away in that upper room, they had witnessed all these things. They had heard these words of Jesus, and many of them had heard the words of the prophets and, and Moses and the psalmist since their youth. And that's now the gospel that he wanted his disciples to proclaim. Thus it is written... He says that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. 
you are witnesses of these things. Those are his words to his friends. He's saying, I've got a job for you now. You've, you've witnessed all of what I've, what, I've, what I've said and what I've done. And now I want you to proclaim the message. But notice that the message includes repentance and forgiveness. It's both good news and bad news. God has forgiven us. That's good news. The bad news is we need to turn around. We need to change our lives. You remember the story of Jonah? I'm sure you all know the story of Jonah, how Jonah was called by God to go to that, that evil city of Nineveh, the capital city of the hated enemies of Israel. And Jonah didn't want to go there, and so he gets on a boat and takes off for Tarshish, only, only to find that God sends a storm, and so he has to be thrown overboard. He's, he's caught by a, a great fish who then belches him out on the shores of Nineveh, where he has to continue his journey. God has called him to go to Nineveh. Now, what, what we remember about that story is, of course, Jonah not wanting to go there, but when he goes there, the people are saved, and everybody, you know experiences the forgiveness of God. And that's good. That's wonderful. That's good news. But we, we often forget that the other side of that is that he was called to go there to call on the people to repent, to tell them to change their lives. And, and they decided to do that. And, and so God forgives them. Now, Jonah really didn't have any problem going and telling the people that they needed to change the problem is he didn't want them to change, and he, he knew that God would forgive them, and, and he didn't want that to happen. That's why he sits up on the hillside under that bush, and, and he's just stewing up there because he can't believe that all these people, are, they're, they're, they're starting to repent, and God's forgiving them, and it's just what he expected God to do. You see, there's good news and bad news to, to God's love for the world. And often we just want one side of it, not, not the two sides. You know, it's, I don't think it's any accident that when the Holy Spirit is visited upon the early church at Pentecost, that first Pentecost, the Spirit comes in the form of tongues of fire. Fire, as the children talked about a little bit earlier today. Fire is good and bad, you know. And remember when, we remember when uh, God speaks to Moses out of the burning bush? God speaks out of, a, out of flame of fire. Fire is often sort of the symbol of God's very presence. And fire can be good. It can warm us. It can give us comfort. That's good. But it can also be hurtful. It can, it can burn. It can refine and cleanse and destroy. It's the good and the bad of fire. You know, um, as many of you know, I, I went to Alabama recently to um, to bury my brother-in-law and nephew. And there, my brother, who lives in Huntsville, came down to Mobile, and so my sister and brother and I were together. And he was sharing with me a lot of the work that he's been doing in his retirement. Uh, he was a um, forester for many years, and um, and now in his retirement, it's, it seems like he's as busy as if he were he were working full time. But what he, what he does now is he he is hired by folks to go out on in their land and uh, uh, identify timber that needs to be um, 
harvested or in, in what he's been doing most recently uh, has been doing controlled burns. Um, and, and he said, you know, that's the term that most people use, controlled burns. You know, you kind of control the fire. You don't just, you know, burn down the whole forest. Uh, but he said it's really not an accurate term. He said it really should be more of a prescribed burn because uh, there's actually a prescription, in other words, that has to be created for every fire. You have to be certified in order to do a controlled burn. And, um, and it involves far more than just simply going out and go, oh, yeah, we'll just kind of light this up or maybe dig a, dig a trench here. But it involves uh, really looking at the weather reports, knowing what the weather was several days before the burn and several days afterward. What, you know, whether the ground is wet or whether it's dry, what, what, what the different temperatures are. Um, it involves uh, understanding what the temperatures might be the next day or the day after that. Uh, you can't just kind of light up the place. But smoke, if you're anywhere near, uh, you know, uh, populated areas, smoke is very important. You have to control that. Um, how, how, how much the leaves have piled up it is very much a part of the calculation, the prescription for the controlled burn. And the purpose, you see, is to, is to burn off the, the little saplings that ultimately might grow up and, and, and harm the other older trees or might, you know, uh, crowd them out. Or uh, it's also to burn out the, the piling up of leaves and stuff that eventually, if you don't do that, eventually they'll become so high that when a fire is started, perhaps even by lightning, the whole forest will burn down. And, and uh, so... So there's kind of a good and bad to this this burning that goes on. And a lot of people who only see it as bad, they say, no, no, we're not going to do these controlled burns. And so what happens is the is the is the ground cover really builds up, and then eventually you do have forest fires that burn hundreds and hundreds of acres. So that's what he's doing in his retirement, and it just struck me that so much of life is like that. You know, it, it's both good and bad. It's, it's not just all one way or the other. Now, God's message to the world is that God loves us. In fact, that's when Jesus sends them out to be witnesses. He's saying, I want you to send it out to all the nations, to everyone. I want everyone to know that God loves them. God loves you and me. In a way, it's when Jesus stretched out his arms on the cross, he was saying, I love you that much. That's how much I love you. I'm willing to die for you. Now, the, that's the good news. But the bad news is that love comes with a price. That price is paid by God and by us as well. Because you see, when God stretches out God's arms across the cross, uh, there's real pain and suffering. There's death. Now, for us, we are called not just simply to receive forgiveness and to forgive others, but we're called to repent, to turn around. Remember, that was what Jesus was telling his disciples to do. I want you to go out and I want you to, I want you to take, out, take my message of repentance and forgiveness. Not just the good, but the good and the bad, the easy and the hard. The truth is God's grace is not cheap grace. We must turn our lives around and follow the way of Christ. Help build God's kingdom of justice 
and mercy and forgiveness and love. That's all part of, of the kingdom of God. And that kingdom is meant for all God's children, not just for you and me, but for everyone. It's what you call costly grace. To really experience the fullness of God's love is to realize that we play a part in, in our, the way we live our own lives. We can't just say to God, I'm sorry, I messed up, I'm, you know, and then just keep on living our lives the way we always have. We must walk in the footsteps of Christ, be his hands and his feet in the world. We must open our arms like Christ opened his. Now, the good news and the bad news of the gospel should not be new news to us. Shouldn't be, it shouldn't be something we've just learned, just like Jesus was saying. You know, I've been telling you your whole lives. I've been telling you through the prophets and through Moses and through the psalmist. I've been telling you what to expect of a life lived in love. So it shouldn't be new news to us. We've seen it in the way he, he spoke. Remember the story of the woman caught in adultery and how he came and he stood between the woman and those accusers who were ready to stone her to death. He stood there to protect her. And then he said to her, go and sin no more. He forgave her and he called her to sin no more. And remember the rich young ruler that came to Jesus and said, I want to be your follower. I, I want to be a part of the kingdom. And Jesus said, that's good, well and good, I'm glad. You come on and follow me, but first go and sell what you possess and give it to the poor, then come follow me. Jesus knew that this man was possessed by his possessions. And there was no way he was ever going to really fully experience the forgiveness and the love and the mercy of God until he gave up those possessions that had overtaken his life. We also saw it in Jesus' life, didn't we? The good and the bad. He rose on Easter, good story, but he had to suffer death on the cross, the pain of the cross. And that's why he told his disciples, you are my witnesses of these things. You are witnesses. And so are we. We're witnesses of what we've seen in the life of Jesus, what we've heard about his life, what we've been taught in, in church. You and I have every right to come to church looking for that peace that Jesus offers, peace I leave with you. We have every right to come and, and seek the fellowship of a, of a church where we can find comfort and ease. We call the place that we worship a sanctuary as a, a place to kind of escape from the cares of the world. We, we want to see Jesus say, look at my hands and my feet. I'm with you. And that's, that's, that's good. You see, simply put, there is good news. But there's also bad news, hard news for us to hear. You see, we, we, we cannot come expecting to be comforted without also being expected to be challenged. When he stretches out his hands, he's not just saying, I love you this much, but he's saying, see what it means to follow me. You see the nails? It's not easy. Love is not easy. Forgiveness is not easy. Justice is not easy. Mercy is not easy. All of it is hard. And that's the challenge of the gospel. That's the repentance 
Jesus doesn't say, go tell the world they're all forgiven. Jesus says, go out and tell them God wants to forgive them, but they need to turn their lives around. They need to turn around from their own self-centered ways. We all need to do that. You see, there's good news and bad news in the gospel. So which do you want first? The good or the bad? My question is, does it really matter? It's that proverbial question, which comes first, the chicken or the egg? It doesn't really matter if you want an omelet. <laughs> if, it, if, it, if it was the egg first or the chicken first, who cares? The truth is you can't have one without the other. You cannot have the comfort of the gospel without the challenge. And the challenge is not worth anything without the comfort. The good news is God loves you and me, and we are forgiven. The bad, more difficult news is that God wants us to turn our lives around and to be more Christ-like in our living. That, my friends, is the gospel truth. Let us pray. Lord, forgive us for wanting only one side of the gospel. Forgive us for wanting just to find the comfort and reassurance of your love without realizing that you call us to do the hard thing, to love our neighbors, to love our enemies, to, to risk and dare moving outside of our comfort zones and reaching out to people who are not like us. Help us, Lord, to accept the good and the bad of your gospel. Amen.